0: Good evening, Patriots, and today is the end of Tuesday, August 29th in the year 2023. Today, this show, in fact, not today, but this show is the 25th, 2,500th show, 2,500 shows right now today. That's kind of cool. A lot of shows. That's a lot of listening time. If you just got to barge, you got some catching up to do. (laughs) That's about 2,200 hours which I don't know what that translates to, like, what, 100 days or something like that? 100 days of straight listening around the clock of Bard's Nation. That's it. Just all you have to do is plug it in, start play, and never stop until 100 days are up and you're good to go. So, oh, someone says it's their music. Yeah, we'll get some music on here in a minute, I think. i got to find some music for that one. I don't have my normal music thing up, so let me see what I've got here. Hang on. I don't think I've got the normal. I'm on a different computer right now. Nope, I don't. Can't do it right now. We'll get we'll get some we'll get some crazy music going here in a second somewhere. Yep, so it's a good deal. I'm telling you, it's, it's rock and roll, and uh, very very happy for that. We'll we'll do some music tomorrow for bended knee, and celebrate it. But I just wanted to let you know. Thought that was pretty good. And Bars Fest is coming up in Kentucky. And that's tickets are on sale for that. Remember, they're donations. And I I hate to say they're on sale. Tickets are now available for donations. We're asking for a donation. We ask for $100 for three days. That'll include a couple lunches and a couple dinners. We're also going to do a potluck on Thursday night. We've got a great lineup. I mean, we're really, I'm telling you, we are getting some good people there right now. And I'm really impressed. You're going to see, we'll announce the whole lineup here coming up as soon as we lock it in. But we've got some great people. And I'm fingers crossed, I think I just got one of the big guys that is doing child recovery coming too. So I'm, I talked to him today. So it's really awesome. Lots of good stuff. And it's just, it's going to be an exciting event. We've got a fantastic children's program coming up. And we're going to uh, encourage, like Thursday night, like I said, that's potluck we're going to have a a gospel gospel and bluegrass band playing that night and then in the in the day on Thursday and our Friday and Saturday we're going to have a gospel and bluegrass band playing um we're going to do a the final part of this it's actually officially we go from Thursday until Saturday and there's we might do something we're kind of working on a special little thing on Wednesday night before for everybody that's coming in. A lot of people are coming in on Wednesday, so we're kind of working on an event for Wednesday night just to kind of a get-together casual. And then Sunday morning, we're going to do a sunrise service, and we're going to do that for all those that are still around. So that's going to be good. Um, so it's going, to be, it's going to be a lot of fun, and lots of camping going on. I'll be camping Pete Chambers will be camping Resistance Chicks will be camping. I think one of my special forces buddies is going to be camping. We're going to have like a little base camp over there. It's going to be pretty cool. So, and we'll be we'll be doing our thing, you know. Joe Vega's going to be there. Brad Cummings is going to be there. Sergeant Major Joe Vega, my good friend and brother. He's awesome. And Brad Cummings is going to be there. Trying to get Pastor I don't know if I'm going to get Pastor David. I think he's tied up. I'm trying to get him. If not, um, we'll see who else we can get from. I mean, we've got a lot of people. Trust me, we don't. We have no shortage of people coming in. Doctor Frank's going to be there. Trying to get Mike Lindell there, possibly. We're, I haven't got that confirmed yet. I'll find out this week. Um, and Mike Adams is going to have a video message for us with a big announcement that's going to come. I just talked to him yesterday. It, this is some really big stuff. I'm not kidding. I mean, I, I think what people don't realize is how much respect everybody has for Barge Nation. And the reputation that that has come out of our community is that people are, they are nose to the grindstone. They are people that get their hands dirty, they sow seeds, they work together. People that don't try to get out here in front and get on the stage and seek all the fame, but they're just working hard to save America, county by county. That is a legitimate feedback I get all the time. Very impressive You know, it's not like we have to have a special nonprofit to run things. We talk about stuff and people do stuff, and that's very empowering. It's very, very good. Speaking of which, a couple of things that I want to highlight that I think are important to highlight. One of them is we are getting towards the end of garden season, and it's time to start thinking about getting your beds prepped for either, you know, doing a late summer planting, which I'm going to be doing a, a winter garden, or you're going to have to start cleaning up your beds and getting them ready to just kind of sit fallow over the winter. But I would really, this is where we have tread light broad forks. So they've got a great savings at the end of summer savings. I need to check that out. They are the, they're the broad forks that I use. Great family business, great people. I really like them. I like their equipment and their tools. I have a number of them and they're an outstanding product. So you're gonna get free shipping with all of that. That link is below, but you can go to Treadlight b r o a d f o r k s broadfork com. Treadlight is T-R-E-A-D-L-I-T-E. BroadForks.com, it's all one word. Fantastic product, and the best thing about it is that it's doesn't require any power, obviously. This gives you a no-till bed, deep digging, really encourage you to, to have these in your inventory. I have a number of them, not just one. Like I also have a scythe. And I also have hand tools. I just don't know where we're going. But it's besides that. It's really when you start to get back to the basics of using our hands and using our energy. My gardens have actually just been fantastic this year. And in spite of all the craziness that they're doing, we don't till. We use those only for, for the beds. And the beds have just turned out to be fantastic. It gives you a tiny down to about 12 to 16 inches depending what model you get Um and uh, you can do I have a, like a 30 inch I think is what it is and so I can maybe it's 24 inch I it takes about it just about does a bed width but not quite but they're fantastic product so check them out TreadlightBroadforks.com. great family business all American made great stuff so you you want to be getting some of those, and if you don't have them, especially as we're starting to head into this fall with all this craziness going on, they're starting to talk about social credit scores, which means they're going to try to limit you know, how much fuel you can use and how much toilet paper you have. Maybe that toilet paper hoarding thing wasn't such a bad idea after all. Who knows? Well, I guess we'll find out, won't we? But anyway, last hour, very intense last hour, and a lot of things that we have to start coming to grips with in this nation. And I this is why I really enjoy Fishers of Men, because we can we can have those intense hours, and then we can kind of return and reset with the Holy Spirit and really kind of get our feet on the ground Um, where God is. I, I will tell you honestly, just in case, if you listen to it and you're asking this question, I'm going to give it to you. When I flow on those shows and I get going like that, that's that's the righteous indignation flowing through me. And when I say that, that's got God's hand in it. I don't I don't know if people realize that and I just I'm gonna say this because it's the way I walk. When I'm doing my shows, there is a constant dialogue in my head with God and what I'm saying. And it's happening in milliseconds. And it's literally I'm checking in as I'm talking, even right now, I'm checking with the Lord to see, you know, just the direction you want me to go. And there's, you know, when you get into an intense show like that, I think it's, uh, I will tell you physically, and it, it, it drains me. And when I get drained like that, that's not just me. That's the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of intensity in our world right now. And I, and I think we would be naive to think that there isn't intensity in heaven. We're in a crisis. We're in a fight for humanity. And, and the, God's children have to stand up right now. But I think this is a good reminder in all of this. And I, and I want to dig into this a little bit because we get really confused, in my opinion, in, the, in our faith of what this means. So let me read this first. This is Romans twelve 19. I'm reading from NASB 1995 right now. It says, Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. I think this is very important in a lot of context. Okay. The key words here are, don't do it on your own, because if you're doing revenge on your own, you are not working in alignment with God. And the example I give that I think is very visual and very visceral to grasp is David. David is walking with God. David has an authority as he's walking with God that when he steps up to Goliath and he calls him out for what he says, he calls him out for defaming God. And David takes an action. And we... I think we tend to read that as if it's David taking the action and missing the fact that David is working with God in that moment. God is guiding his hands. So there is a there is a legitimate wrath, and I think this is where the piece here that is leave room for the wrath of God. We tend to look at that as an exterior issue, like Sodom and Gomorrah. Like God's going to bolt down lightning and turn you into ashes. What we don't realize is as we walk in without the burdens of of a vengeance in our heart, and we put ourselves in that powerful place of love, and love is a difficult word in English for it to get this around to people. Love is also harsh sometimes. Truth is harsh. And, but we're, and the biggest part about this is the strength of never bowing. And as we don't bow, and we hold that line, and we walk into a place, Christ flipping tables is an extremely intense moment pulling out the whip and whipping people, physically whipping them and driving them out of the market, that would be intense. But we are not in we are not doing these actions on our own. If I'm going to go outside and sit on my edge of my property and wait for somebody to come into my property and just when they've took, pushed their toe in run over there with a baseball bat and start wailing on them, that would not be in alignment with God. But if God is calling us to go out and find dirt bags that are trying to rape children and God calls you to raise your hand to the sword of steel, that's God's direction and you trust that you will get it done. The other side of that is there's too many people that don't want to do that and have been pacified. So they tend to default into this place of like, oh, I could, we're going to pray and love everybody. That's not correct. And I would argue that with anybody because... We are not in a place where everybody gets loved on. There is such a thing as evil and we have to face it. But if we are listening and have an intimate relationship with God, we're going to understand truly where that line is. And it's not my hand on its own. It's in the guidance of our Father. That's a super important principle right now to have clear and to be listening. Because otherwise what we tend to do, I can, I can talk to you all day long about the myriad of things that we could do and never have to raise a sword of steel and take down this cabal effectively if we could come together as one body. That is not hard to do. I can map it out. I can tell you the things that need to be done, the discipline that would have to happen. And I mean, I have done it. I shouldn't say I can. I have done this so many times. The difference is that, or the challenge is that people have to be working together. But when we get separated into individuality and, and our into our individual spaces and we're not working together and we're pushing against things and people are denying truth, this gets extremely frustrating. So our consequence is that we have to stand more boldly in the gap of truth and speak truth hard into people, not give them any line. We can't we can't give them any quarter. They can't move away from that. And they're not going to like it and they're going to be nasty back sometimes or they're going to ignore you and try to run away from it. But our role is powerful in that place of truth. And that's wielding in the sword of the spirit. And there's greater things we can do in the sword of the spirit, as we know, from healing to restoring, to, to raising the dead, to doing all sorts of things. Greater works than he, okay? But when we're working together and we'll say that we take an entire county that simply says, you know what? If there's any store in this county that makes us wear a mask, we're not coming here again, ever. You watch how fast that stuff changes. And it doesn't take any other action. And the interesting thing is that Mahatma Gandhi was one of the most powerful agents in creating the resistance, a peaceful resistance. The environmental net jobs try to emulate emulate it, and they fail miserably. But as the, in our faith, it's a very powerful walk to make. And they were willing to walk the path of martyrdom as well, which is that many were shot and killed because they refused to stop. They refused. And the, the consequence was that the British lost complete control of India and ultimately had to withdraw and hand India over to its own control. In the American tradition, we are much more violent, and I'm not saying one is right or wrong, but we were much more violent in our fight with the Brits. and but it was still only three percent of our nation that was buried into the idea of, of a revolution. while the rest of people, there were some people that were doing boycott and, and things, but many people were going around wanting to just be, get back to normal. and they were not wanting to commit to a side. Hence, you have that statement, enemies at war, peace in peace, friends at the end of the Declaration of Independence. It's a very important phrase. And it's one that we have to get very resolved in our heart. I don't have a conflict in my heart with the principles of violence against an enemy. And I mean violence by the sword of steel. And at the same time, praying and having the powers to heal and restore. I have no problem in those areas. And the reason I don't is I'm not looking at those actions as my own. If God so leads me to pick up the sword of steel, I will pick up the sword of steel. If God tells me to charge that hill and there is a nest of evil up there that I need to clear out, I will trust in God. I will charge that hill. I will clear that nest out and I will trust that God will lead me to the victory that I need. That's it. But if God's not telling me that, part of my warfare is also prayer and it is the point to leave room for God to bring vengeance, but we don't know what that looks like we are the stewards of this earth that is given to us. We are stewards and we don't act like it. And unfortunately too many churches want to preach the idea that it's a fallen world and that we just need to wait for Jesus and have him take and wait for the rapture to take us home. Forgetting the fact that this is where heaven is supposed to be and we're supposed to bring heaven to earth. And that means that our job here is extremely strategic and important. And I, I will just, you know, you've heard me talk about this a lot because it's an extreme frustration in watching an amazing faith, one that is mighty, powerful, that there is nothing greater than God. This is a faith that holds people to an amazingly high standard. And yet we have an amazingly compassionate and merciful father and an unbelievable patient father, even to the point of your last breath, offering you salvation to be able to find life after death. This is incredible. We have a father that found that there was no other way to save his children that were worthy, not unworthy, than other to sacrifice his only son. That's an amazing concept. And that through that walk, Jesus' blood, it, it broke the chains, literally. And the, any of those contracts that had been made were sealed with his blood and we were set free. So what happened? I think that's the big one. And the biggest problem we have is that people did not walk, continue to walk with the faith in Jesus. It became like, oh, cool. I got that one off. Check that off the box. I just got to get a little dunk in a pool, do a little bit of bless me, bless me. I accept Jesus and I'm on my way and I'm back to my merry world of sin. And this is literally, I think, the, the biggest problem that we have not only as a nation, but to a large degree in Western society is that sin has become normalized and we don't seek that repentance nor do we seek to get past our sins. Porn addiction is a big thing and it's it's frustrating to me when I hear people that are addicted to porn. Um, And I'm not saying that, you know, when I say I hear it, I'm I'm going to be there to help it. But the frustration for me is, the question is, why is it that it still holds on to you? And I say this from a person that, I've had to fight many of the fights on my own and with God. And I'm not against helping anybody. Please hear me. But I think it's a deep reflection that every person has to ask is that why are you there? What has what is keeping you there? And when we can answer that question of what is keeping us there, we begin to find the wounds that are deep within us that are being exploited by the demons. But we're walking in a demonic world. That doesn't mean we're surrounded by demonic, but we also have great angelic energies around us as well. And these sorts of discussions in a normal Christian format get to be a little sketchy because people are like, well, that doesn't really work well with me when I'm comfortable in my pew. And I'm really looking forward to tomorrow morning's men's breakfast. And then next week, we're having the women's tea and that's fun. And then this afternoon, as soon as we get out of here in the pew, we're going to all go to lunch and get a burrito. I mean, That's all fine and good. I'm not discounting any of those events, but the problem is at the same time, there's too much emphasis on the things and not enough emphasis on our loving God. One of the two questions we had in Bars Fest, which was a big one in Yuba City, was do we need music? And God said no. And in fact, not only did God say no, other than prayer and worship in the morning, which was fantastic, not only did God say no, but no resources were provided to support it. And I wondered how that would be because in Bart's Fest one, we in St. Louis, I'm just gonna call them by location. So Bart's Fest in 2021 in St. Louis, we were centered on music and we were centered on all these speakers, and we had four solid days of going, and we had big stages and big noise and big big events, and it was a great event. We had the Ferris wheel, we had all these things, and it was a great event. And someday we'll have another one like that. But as we as once we got through that event, And we settled in and God said, no, no, no Barts Fest in 2022. And then 2023 comes in and now we're having two and we're actually having three because the third one is in Chile in December. The the event that, that what was being very clear is this is different. People need to come together and put their eyes on me, break bread, spend time with one another, but keep their eyes on the cross, keep their eyes in Jesus and through Christ to me. And we found it to be an amazing success because we had time to listen. I mean, these were long days at Yuba City, if you think about it. We were there about eight hours sitting, listening to to sermons and discussions, and it was profound, and people were engaged, and we had fantastic meeting sessions of breaking bread and and, and talking to one another. That is a powerful event. that doesn't need entertainment, because the only thing we have at the center of all things is Jesus. Our nation right now is lacking that. It's lacking the focus of the intensity, and that's it. Because I think that what happens, and I, re, I was reflecting on the last two night shows, Bards FM, tonight and the previous night, there was a, I was lit. I'm not going to even tell you I wasn't, because the Holy Spirit lit me up, and I had no idea where each of those shows were going, by the way. I had prepped tonight's show, for example, with the, the soundtracks that I wanted to use, the sound clips, but I really didn't know where the message was going to be, until I got lit up, and the Holy Spirit lit my heart up, and I just spoke right from the heart. You were hearing me download straight from my heart as the Holy Spirit was leading. Same last night, okay? And in the normal context of our faith, some of that can be seen as something like, wow, he's just he's just animated tonight. No, it's not that. It's a, There is such a thing as as righteous indignation, and we have to have that intensity, the same intensity that Christ had when he flipped tables. We need it again. But unfortunately, our, our faith has become one where it's, it's all about softness. It's all about, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing and we're going to pray and it's all going to be better. But we forget the hard work of having to dig our hands into the soil, get our hands dirty, put our hands into the gut of an animal, pull it out, bleed it out. We forget those sorts of events. We forget the events of having to tend and nurture to the broken and the sick that are physically broken and sick. And that's the hard work. That's the beautiful but hard work of the faith. We forget that point that there are literally enemies at the gate that when they come through, and if we realize the intensity of that by seeing it, if we could see our enemies at the gate and we saw them with swords and we saw them with spears and torches and they were dressed in armor, we would go to the wall willingly and we would fight. We wouldn't be sitting there going, I'm going to pray for you, my brother, and hope that you come to Jesus and not, and go away. We might do that as a preparatory, but when they start crossing that line, we're going to be wielding that sort of steel because God's going to call us to do it because if we don't, we don't take care of our communities. And it's easy to visualize that when it's on the wall. But when the wall is an amorphous wall and communities are spread out all over this country and your enemy has infiltrated all around you, we tend not to visualize things of the intensity of the fight that we're in. Let's be clear. This enemy doesn't wield a sword. It wields a scalpel and cuts off the testicles of children. This enemy doesn't wield a catapult, it wields a shot and injects children and adults and people and it kills them with a vaccine. This enemy doesn't behead it's, itself, it doesn't shoot arrows, instead it uses words like flaming darts to penetrate the subconscious and twist and turn to make people hate and deny God. This enemy, fighting this enemy on a battlefield with swords and with spears, would be much easier than what we're facing right now. In fact, the enemy would be ferocious, it would be ugly, it would be massive, it would be intense, but all those things are overcomable because all you have to do is overcome your fear and understand that whatever is before you, you can destroy it as long as you follow the hand of God. But when our enemy isn't there that way, we like to tell ourselves little fairy tales. We like to we like to convince ourselves and hypnotize ourselves and lead ourselves into this dark sleep that somehow this enemy isn't as bad as we think. We do even things worse because we start to tell ourselves and ask ourselves the questions of, is this really that bad? What if if I'm wrong? Instead of going to God and saying, Lord, where do you want me to be? What do you want me to be? How do you want me to walk in this hour? Father has our answers to us all the time. And I think that's what's most amazing. I had a post, and and this is, I guess I've mentioned this before, but I had a post sent to me the other day. It was a message, not a post, a message, and it was something about something I had said about Lahaina. And their interpretation of it was, I, I looked at I read this interpretation, I'm like, this is straight up wrong. There is no possible way that I'll agree with this in the context of our father, at least how I know him. And I had mentioned this story previously, but I want to mention it again. I mentioned it a few nights ago, but I want to mention it again, because my response was very clear that these are, I was told that this was the word of kingdom. And I said, no, these are only words to me until father confirms them. So I grabbed a late breakfast, I sat down on the couch, I had a prayer and I said, Father, I need an answer on this, not because I'm, and I even said, I'm going to follow my heart on this the way I understand you to be. And unless you show me otherwise, I am not going to listen to this word, even if this is a word of kingdom, because it's wrong to me. It's wrong. But if it's, if this word that is supposed to have been given as a kingdom level word is truly true then you need to tell me and show me. And I literally need Christ here before me to demonstrate it because otherwise I will not listen to it. Now, that sounds a little bit defiant, but there's a point in time where we have to get strong, even with our Father. And it isn't being disrespectful, but it's when we feel that something's wrong, especially when it's coming from the outside. You have to be aware that the enemy is using people to go after us, to divide us, and sometimes people don't even realize they're being used. And so here was the amazing thing. I got a call 10 minutes later, a phone call that wasn't, it was a butt dial from somebody I knew, another pastor. And I picked it up. And immediately the first words out of his mouth was, Brother, I love you. I love you. I just wanted to let you know I love you. And I wasn't supposed to dial you, but I did. And I said, Paul, you were supposed to dial me. And that's why you just called, because you just gave me the answer I needed because I just asked God for that exact thing, a clarity of a message. And you see, our Father works like that. But we have to be ready to listen and to hear. So in my righteousness, when I talk about the, the intensity and the fire and passion of this fight, and I'm talking about standing up to this evil, and I'm talking about slaying this evil, I am, that all that's in there is an incredible passion and love for our nation, but most importantly, it's a passion and love for our Father. I think that's the part that I struggle with so much is where is our true love for Jesus? And where did our love for Jesus become pacified and, and roll over and let them walk over us and put a jackboot on your throat and tell you you're not worthy of anything and we say, I know this, but I'm going to pray and, and Jesus will come and I still love you. Where did the fight go? Where did the fight go? And we convince ourselves that fighting is completely wrong that there's no possible way that we should ever lift a fist. We must stand here passively and just pray and pray and hope that all things will go. Have you ever asked God to guide your hands, to lead you to where you need to be, or are people too afraid to do that? Or do they truly believe that God does not have any sense of wrath? God is wrath. It says right here, 1219, that God needs to leave room for God's wrath. But what does that look like? Does that mean a lightning bolt from the sky? Does it mean an earthquake? Does it mean a volcano? Does it mean a storm? It could be all of those things. But could it also be you picking up a stone and throwing it between the eyes of a giant to kill it, drop it, and then cut off its head? Yes, it could. And that's the part of our heart that has to be open because otherwise we are literally putting God in the box in the wrong way. What would you do? If you walk into a space, you walk into a school to pick up your son or your daughter, and as you walk into the room where you think that they are, you discover a teacher that's in that room having sex with a child. I'm curious, are you going to go down and I'm going to say I'm pray for you and hope that Jesus forgives you? Are you going to say that? Are you going to close the door and walk away and go get the principal? Or are you going to intercede, rip that teacher from that child and kick that to shit out of that teacher and leave them on the ground to remember something, so rescue that child at any cost, grab pictures if you have to for evidence and get that child to safety. See, that's what I'm talking about in those lines that you have to understand in red lines and understand where you walk with kingdom. Because I will tell you, God will not have any objection to what I just did. And let me flip it the other way. If I was asked to give testimony on my behalf before the king and before the Lord and Father himself to say, why did you do this? I would not have a hesitation to say why. And if I was told, well, there's another way you could have done it, I would have said, Lord, at the time there was not. That's not the way I saw it because I was here. And I'd be speaking truth from my heart. I just I don't understand a lot of where we've come to a culture where we've accepted behavior of passivity and we're allowing the destruction of children. This is killing me. I mean, I, and every single day I literally shed tears over these children because I've seen it firsthand. And the damage that's being done to these children is is horrible. And as a society, we're letting this roll around and letting this pass by, and we're asking ourselves, "Where it's kind of going by like it's no big deal." But I would challenge you to put yourself in roles and places of asking yourself these scenarios of what you would do. Because I think when we get to the place of faith, if you're not willing to step in and be that protector and be the thing, you're not walking in faith. You're walking in a in a, some sort of mystic fiction of what faith is. And unless you have the power to literally raise your hands and send that teacher across the room and drive him through a glass window and out the door and literally have that sort of projective power where you can raise up such a power of the Holy Spirit that the earth shakes and the walls split and just like that dude is swept off into the Netherlands, then the only way to save that child would be you or me. When we start to cross those lines, we start to understand things a little bit better. And I think that some of this comes from the fact that we have become so disconnected from the land You know, one of the reasons they say that in World War II, that soldiers did not have the PTSD issues that they did in later wars was not because the conflict, but it's because the soldiers of World War II were dealing with death on a regular basis. Why? Because they lived on farms. Most of these were farm kids. They understood the life cycle of things. They had to put animals down. They had to shoot animals for butcher. They had to hunt. So does that numb a person out? No, it just means that they're more accustomed to dealing with the process of life and death. So when they added to that a morality that said, here's a group of people, Germans at the time, that were were literally slaughtering and murdering, murdering innocents, and, and, and that's the perspective of the war at the time. Do you think they had any problem? The answer is no. It was a righteous talk. It was a righteous walk without any issue. And... That is something that, again, we need. We need this back in our life and our culture, and it's going to come from both men and women that we have to understand a powerful line, and we walk that powerful line of authority because we are stewards of this earth. I would absolutely love to be in that place and a walk in life where I could lift my hand and say this is the sword of the Spirit, and with that, a mighty rush of war angels comes down and pick up that that culprit of, of evil and send him off straight to the to the courts of heaven. That would be awesome. I haven't gotten there yet. That would fall under the category of greater works, and I'm not there yet. My biggest concern, though, is a child that's damaged. How do we heal that? And the only the first part of healing, if you're looking at a child being victimized, even if they don't even understand what's going on, if we don't make that step to show them what's right is what right is like, then we're going to be missing the entire point of of walking as a as a steward. So that's one example of a thousand we could come up with. But it gets to the core of who we are as a nation and who we are as a people. When the world looks around at the United States right now, it's, we're laughable. And they're shocked. They're shocked that we're allowing boys to be mutilated, to be turned into girls. Where is the protest on those places, by the way? I haven't seen a single protester out front trying to prevent a parent from coming in to have their children get their weenie cut off. Or their girl have a breast cut off. Where is the protest against those doctors and those surgeons that are doing it? How is it that these people are remaining in, in stealth in this population? This is one of the fastest growing medical markets in the in the country right now, and it's worth billions. Why do you think they're doing it? And we're not doing a thing. People still protest some at the abortion clinic, but they're not a, they're not protesting at the transgender or transgender reassignment clinics. And I don't know which is worse, but I think they're about equal. Our nation is at a very much of a tipping point right now, and it's it's a nation that's angry, it's a nation that is struggling with the state in which we're in, it's a nation that wants to go back to the good old days of making money and watching TV and having everything fun like baseball, hot dog, apple pies, and Chevy or Ford, whatever your picking is. And we wanna get back to that place where we could just like, hey, let's get cheap gas, let's modify our car, let's go, do, let's go out or let's go hunting and four-wheeling and let's just put it all behind us. After the last hour show, I jumped on my ATV and I rode the property, 80 acres. And, I'm, and I got to the top of the hill up here. First, I went down and it was with the cows. And I drove down and checked on the herd and just had a conversation, just talking to them. And they're just kind of looking at me like I'm the alien from another world because they're happy eating grass and I'm driving a four-wheel horse. And they're looking at me like, what is the problem? When I got up to the bull, he's looking at me like, well, what is the problem? Because he's always happy to be with his cows, but he doesn't want to be bothered when I'm around. So that's cool. And then I, I went up on the hill. And as I came up on the hill, I, I there's a, plot, a little hillock up there that where you have a beautiful view of the valley. And I just stopped and I got off the ATV and I just looked. And I watched the most amazing sunset. And I'm just thinking about the property and the gorgeous beauty that's up here. And you start to reflect on all the people that are truly under siege right now. This is a peaceful place. It's a healing place. We've prayed into this place. There's a Holy Spirit that lives here. It will always live here. And the more that we build it, this is the place that when people come across the lines, I believe truly in their hearts are transformed and it will only get more so. Every one of our houses should be like that. That when people walk across the threshold, it doesn't matter whether you're in an apartment or whether you're in in a condominium or whether you're in a house or in a track home or whatever that is every one of our homes should be the presence of god and the holy spirit that when people walk in they're transformed and they should be sanctuaries for us all to be in and that's the only way that we start to do that we start to bring that power back into the world that we start to realize who we really are and walk in that place in the world not just not just when we get together to pray but we're literally walking in that place in the world we're all on this sort of place and this view tonight was incredible the sun was setting A little bit of smoke in the air, which gives a little more intense red to the clouds and the sun when it goes down. We finally are getting a little bit of rain, which we desperately need. And all you can say is thank you and be humble before the Lord. In spite of all of the things that are going on in this world, God still brings us the beauty of which we are created. In spite of all of the beauty that's being destroyed, God still reminds us of the beauty that only he can create. And we have to get back to those deeper places of our existence in this nation. In respect to the entire nation and what Bard's nation looks like, I don't know. There's 330 million people in the country. And I think Bard's nation probably represents about a half a million people. But Gideon only needed 300. And if we have that half a million that's truly dedicated to putting it all down for Jesus. I can't imagine that Lord is not going to respond well for that one. But we have to really be all in. And I know we use those words, and I know there are people that are really all in, and I get that, and I'm making, not making any judgment here tonight. I'm not suggesting that you do less or more than anybody. I am in no way going to sit here and try to... because every I'm not going to try to say, like, I do a lot. I just do where God leads me, like everyone else should be doing. I make no assumptions on your life and I only hold myself accountable for my own here and I'm challenging myself each and every day to do more because the Lord leads and I have to follow and there's days that I don't get what's done that the Lord wants me to get done and I push harder the next day to try to catch up. But when everything about our lives is centered truly on our eyes on Christ and 100% in our satisfaction to to please our Father... And everything we do, whether it's a podcast like this, whether it's every word that I speak that I'm double-checking in, in this conversation with God in my heart that is going on a 24-7, if we're not walking in that constant dialogue with him, then we're not walking as we should be on this earth. And that's the walk where we ultimately become not of this world, but we become the stewards of this world. We become the watchers on the wall. And when need be, we can become the mighty warriors under the banner of Christ. Our country is really messed up. We know that. It's amazing when we get down to these discussions and we look at these horrific things that are happening and the need to stand up and we know that there needs to be dramatic change. But it's equally amazing when you think about the numbers that we're talking about. The number of people that are truly evil in this country are probably between 10 and 20 million. And I would argue probably for the real evil, it's probably 5 to 10 million. And that still leaves us with an enormous number of people, like 320 million. And we never even have to raise a shot. We don't have to, we have the guns, we don't need to worry about it. We have the ammo, we don't have to worry about it. We have the knives, we've got the axes, we've got the chainsaws, the blowtorches, the flamethrowers, you name it, we have it. But what we need is commitment. And what we need is the commitment not to me, not worrying about whether I'm going to be thrown in jail, not worrying about whether I'm going to get shot, not worrying about whether they're going to throw cuffs on me and throw me in the back of a car and bury me in a black cell somewhere. I don't know. If that's where God's leading me, that's where I'm going. I already did that once in my life. But the question is, what are we willing to sacrifice? What do we believe in so much that we're willing to sacrifice everything to defend? And if that, if Jesus is not one of those things, and the right to speak free and and love Christ in this world and to raise him up, if that isn't something that you're willing to die for, then I think we've missed the commission. I think we've missed the gift. And when we put that before us and we truly accept what I just said, that you're willing to die for the belief and love in Christ, when we accept that, we are the most deadly, most feared force in the universe. And that is what the deep state's really afraid of. That's what these evil pariahs are really afraid of is that we will truly embrace that stance of martyrdom. And in so doing, they know there is no chance they can ever get anything through us or to us. I think, as a collective whole, Bard's Nation is really a long ways down that road. But that also means when we look around us and we see the COVIDians and we see so many of these others doing their thing, we need to step back and say, okay. We have to do more. We have to be more out front, and we have to lead more. And we are also going to have to take the stand against them to let them know that that's going to be how they're going to walk. It will not fly in this world that we're walking in. Because this world we're walking in is given to us by God. Our rights from our Father and our stewardship is part of the walk with Jesus in this world. And we have a lot of stewardship to be doing. At the end of the day, it comes down to the simple thing that the ultimate target that this enemy wants and the ultimate place that we have to hold the line on is the children. Because if they disrupt the children, they're disrupting a process of creation. And if they disrupt the children, they're seizing control of innocence. And if you disrupt creation and you seize control of innocence, you end up with bitter, quiet, dead souls. And that's the tragedy that they're trying to install upon humanity. And it's the choice we all have to make. Again, what do you believe in so much, you're willing to sacrifice everything to defend. Let's pray. Father, Father, we come to you tonight, just very humbled, blessed, and honored, for all that you give us and all that you guide us for. Father, this prayer tonight is really centered on Romans twelve eighteen or 12, Never take your own ve- revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, "Vengeance is mine; I will repay," says the Lord. And Father, I think the problem we have at these moments is when we take those words to mean no action and simply wait and pray and allow you to do all the heavy lifting instead of us at least getting our feet on the ground and standing and taking that fight forward in the power of truth and the reminder of flipping tables as Jesus did and the reminder of Jesus standing in front of the Pharisees and calling them out. Father, that's the prayer tonight to awaken that fire, to awaken that passion And to give clarity and discernment in the directions of where we can find those engagements. To open our eyes and present the opportunities before us that we can step into the gap. We can raise the sword of the Spirit in a mighty way with the righteous fires within our heart. And to engage an enemy, to display to an enemy the power of the Holy Spirit working through us where we literally say, no, you will not pass. And for them to truly feel the power of that in their lives to realize that we're not like the others because we've been reborn in jesus and we are walking fearlessly in this world and that blessing again father to pour down on all that are listening that that these words resonate tonight deeply that people understand more deeply the relationship between us and Christ, that the relationship between creation and children, the relationship between us as stewards and standing in front of an enemy boldly, wielding the power of love. And love is not a hug and a kiss. Love is might, and it's heaven's might that wilts evil hearts and breaks rigid souls and exposes the darkness of evil so that it snakes back on itself and literally consumes itself for them to face the truth and the way that they have dealt with others, let it strike them back seven times. But in the end, Father, even when we wield the sword of steel, our hands are still a one of compassion and prayer. For as our enemies are fallen, we still seek to lay our hands upon them and pray for their soul. Because life is valuable. And in those end moments where we are so viciously consumed with the true evil fight, even then we have to have compassion for our enemies in life and in death. So Father, we just ask tonight that you can, this wisdom can flow between so many people to raise them up to awaken the warrior hearts. And Father, tonight we have a couple closing prayers that are very important. One is for Lahaina. We pray for the continued healing of that land, continued healing of those hearts that are so deeply wounded by a vicious attack that we still have no explanations for, though the pieces begin to paint a very clear picture. We have prayers for the missing children and family members that don't seem to be able to be found, not recoverable. And yet the term missing is if they're going to swim back from the big island. Bless these families, Father, and we do rebuke the government and pray that they will continue to be exposed for the lies and deceit that they did upon the people. And may they be held accountable. And as we present this to you and bring it to the courts of heaven, we are declaring accountability for the evildoers of this time. Father, we also have a prayer tonight for Florida. Where the storm is ravaging and coming in, a massive one, we're rebuking that storm. We raise our hands and we rebuke that storm. And we pray into this storm to have it dispersed and shattered and turned into a tropical storm with much less energy. That people will be safe, that this storm will dissipate, it will not last long, and that its fierce, its ferocity will keep it away from the shore until it dies off and comes in as a softer, more cleansing rain. Guide us in these times, Father. Bless us, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Patriots, 2,500 episodes tonight. Pretty cool. Thank you. That's the word. Thank you all for that. It's been an amazing walk so far. It's going to be an amazing walk again. We're going to keep climbing all the way up. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Fishers of Men. Until then, or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you, and out for now.
1: Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into Oh.